After a long day on the road, you approach the door of the roadside tavern. You walk in, and you nod to the bartender, who nods in greeting toward you. And you look over to a crackling fireplace, and there are two comfortable-looking high-back chairs. And from one of the high-back chairs, a handsome young gentleman swings his head around to look at you and says, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another righteous episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. Yeah. In the other chair. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Nice intro. Very interesting. Thank you. Thank Um, you. Inspiring even. (sighs) You know. We're we're off we're off to the races. Yay yay. So glad to be here with you. I had a feeling you would use the adjective righteous. Yeah. Uh, I thought I thought you might uh, I thought you might be expecting that too, but you know I don't I don't want to I don't want to jump into things prematurely. You know you don't want to gallop right in on a on a steed. No, no as one does. Uh, right. I mean, if you, you don't want to steed, you, you don't want to charge and, in. No, 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 no. That makes sense. Uh, that makes though, sense. if one does have a steed. And one is not galloping and or charging. I mean, do they even deserve a steed? I'm a steed. I'm a steed. She said, I'm a steed. (laughs) How's it going, dude? It's going. uh, Yeah, it's uh, got back from the three day weekend. Uh, That was pretty enjoyable. I wasted most of it. Well, that's what vacations are for. As right? one does, you know, I had all these uh, plans to get crap done. And uh, of course, I did not. But, you know, it, I, it, the time was enjoyed. Good. And that's that's something. that's why that's why the good Lord invented vacations. Be getting back <laughs> into art. Nice. And uh, drawing again, you know, it's you and I have both struggled in our relationship with artwork right yeah we have you know it's I, been an on again it, but yeah i mean it's been on yeah. again and off again and on again and off again and like you know we we both go through these stints where we're like oh man i'm back i'm back baby you know here it is i got a new gimmick i got a new thing yep and you know this stuff happens but you know, this has been a good stint so far. It's been lasting long? a long time. Um, it's really just ever since Christmas. And for me that yeah. is that is actually a good long while. Um Yeah. You know You, you I, drew me a picture that was super cool. Yeah, I drew you a thing, I did something for my mother in law, and now I'm doing another thing. And, uh, you know, people seem to be, you know, reacting well to it. And that's that's really nice. And well, I mean, I I don't think I've ever not reacted well to your stuff. I mean, you're, you know, no hyperbole. You're extremely talented. Well, I appreciate that. But, you know, of course, the the people that 
that are most unkind to you and I regarding our artwork is typically ourselves, right? Uh, yeah, that's that is one hundred percent the truth, and that's you know, that's okay. We are our own worst critics. I think that's true say. for for a lot of people that that like to dabble in in the arts and in crafts and and that sort of oh, thing. Yeah, you're and, never you're never quite good enough. You could always learn something new, which is a healthy perspective to an extent to an extent yeah i mean and that's something that that we all have to i guess wrestle with but you know it's it just when somebody outside of that realm who who you know isn't necessarily just trying to be supportive you know mm-hmm. like lets you know that hey this is this is good this is valuable right like mm-hmm. that's that's really cool that's that is a, really cool that's a good feeling yeah absolutely so Speaking I've of, been enjoying getting back in. Nice. And have have you been working that into the programs at school, or it's only as a side thing? Yeah, it's been like a side gig. It is D and D related. Um, yeah, I'm doing doing a little commission work actually. Nice. And, and Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. You know that's that's good. You know, um, long time coming. You know, I've had students go from you know, not very good to getting regular commission work. And, and yet, you know, I wouldn't take that plunge, you know, and it was a really mm-hmm. kind of weird thing, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, how have you been? I've been pretty good. I've been, uh, well, just trying to plug away at work stuff. And, um, otherwise I've been from an entertainment side of things. I just picked up the PC version of God of War uh, mm. from 2018, which just released for PC, uh, which is like the second major port of a previously Sony exclusive, uh, or rather a PlayStation exclusive title. The first uh, being Horizon Zero Dawn that got converted or uh, rather ported to PC. So I've been playing some God of War again, and uh, previously I had just streamed it from their PlayStation Now service, which was cool, but it was a little, you know, it was kind of laggy. You didn't really get the full resolution with having to stream the game. So now I'm playing it, and it's like installed locally on my machine my graphics cards are putting in the work and it just it looks phenomenal and you know we both played through uh the game before and it it plays so well it's just an absolute pleasure to to jump into again oh that's great i i do enjoy the new god of war i I say new i mean it was in what 2018 that it came out 2018 yeah yeah i so god of war 4 is sometimes people call it i'm Mm -hmm. not a fan of the other ones i know you enjoyed them um i i enjoyed them enough there there were parts of them where especially in retrospect you know they definitely could get gratuitous oh yeah but then again i feel like the sense that you know old kratos or like past kratos uh was just so 
wanton with destruction and violence and just so over the top. And then you see him in 2018's God of War. And I feel like having had that, like, wow, this is a bit much kind of experience with him before actually endeared me to this version of Kratos even more because I felt like I knew what he was coming from. And you see over the course of this journey, his interaction with his son, Atreus, you see how he doesn't want Atreus to turn out like he did. And that's made all the more impactful by having played those previous games and going, yeah, I wouldn't want him to be like that either. Like you have a, a pretty real appreciation for um, what he's trying to prevent his son from becoming. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it gives him this level of depth. Like I remember seeing the previews for it and I just kind of rolled my eyes because I've never mm-hmm. been impressed by the Kratos character um, mm-hmm. because I felt like he was just shallow, just shallow. And then like everything wrong with like gamer culture. Right. And, and this sort of thing. And, and then this thing comes along and it's just, uh, it really redeems the character greatly and mm-hmm. really gives it well character in the first place. I mean, before he's really more caricature and I, I, you know, I, shouldn't disparage the 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 writers i guess i mean they Mm -hmm. were they knew what their audience was and they were going for a certain feel you know and they and they achieved that and of course it was a massive success yeah and definitely was nothing i can say can take away from that but let's just say i just enjoyed this this rendition this interpretation just a lot more it was is really terrific and i mean even like writing and stuff aside the the visual of the game itself, like just the, the way that um, it, it felt like the previous God of Wars went for this um, kind of hyper stylized sort of 300 esque uh, kind of vibe where things were kind of hyper saturated colors and really sort of extreme, almost almost comic booky, but leaning on the more photorealistic side where this one goes like full photorealism. And it, it feels to me like now that we're in this kind of new, uh, generation of hardware that can push that level of detail. I feel like it also helped Kratos with, you know, with the audience buying him as this as a as a serious character to be taken seriously right seriously seriously (laughs) so yeah so i've been playing around with that and it's been it's been a lot of fun um other than that you know nothing nothing too crazy um how are things with the with the the club and the D D class well, you know, everything's going pretty well, and uh, I've tried some new approaches, and uh, so far, so good. You know, I, I think they're they're getting itchy to play, which is a good sign. They haven't played yet. 
They haven't played. Well, they've done like little exercises, but they haven't sure. sat and played like an adventure yet, like a full on adventure. I've given Have them they like watched little. Watched anyone? Uh, well, we've demonstrated like a scene, mm -hmm. but cool. we but we don't like sit there and watch a campaign, right? Oh, I gotcha. So, or a, you're even in an adventure of any kind. I mean, I I could do a, a one demo, uh, mm -hmm. per, perhaps. I you know found one from dungeon dudes that was pretty good and of course there's always stuff like critical role yeah. so that you know you can you can always show off something like that but um you know i really took my time with the character sheet last week you yeah. know and we basically were doing like one like a part of it at a time and then letting them play with just that much mm. because that's like, a good idea yeah just kind of you know build in the tutorial just slowly over time like you start with ability scores plus proficiency and then like right that's like all you do mm. and then you say okay play here's a scenario play with just this yeah you know so yeah every, so everything's just ability checks right and that's then super easy and that's super easy anybody can do that and like it's like okay get a I would just do like a partial success thing where like 11 was like you barely made it. 13 was like you did okay, but you made mm. it. And 15 was like, great job. And anything above that was like amazing, right? Right. And that's it. You know, that's the whole thing. And then like the next day it was like skills and saving throws. Mm. I, I think we might have done a little well no we saved backgrounds and stuff for the next day and we really got into the role play stuff and then finally we did spells oh and, boy and and spells were were, were kind of difficult to to talk about because you know the classes kind of handle it differently yeah that's uh, true but i tried to hit the stuff that was going to be true with all the classes and then basically point at where to go read and i mean yep. there is that that part of it where they have to own that experience and they, they have to decide that hey if this matters to me either for a grade or to just learn you know learn the game because maybe i'm interested in it that you know these are available to me and i should just right. study right and that's up to them and certainly any other class would expect you to read to study yep. the material you know, and I think that that's perfectly reasonable. Yeah, I think I think so, too. Well, that's cool, man. I'm glad that that's all, you know, sailing right along. It was um, a funny thing to sit there in like on Friday and, and sit there with my pen and grade their character sheets, like mark them up and <laughs> oh my circle missing parts and read it, like write little notes in the margins. Right, man. <laughs> what a way to, to what, a, what a world make make sure that the players really know their character sheet. <laughs> like, how many people can ever say that they've gotten an F on their character sheet? Well, I know a few that can say it now. Um, oh, jeez, there were there weren't many, there weren't many, but there were a few D's, and uh, uh, but I think most everybody did okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it it was really just the outliers where. You know, some people it's just difficult to get them to care about anything at all. So that's that's something. But mm. you know, I think a lot of it will come along. You know, is when you sit there, it's like when you're playing a board game. You know, like I can't, 
if someone sits there and explains the rules or reads them to me, I'm not going to learn. Right. Right. And I, and I, so I totally empathize with it to, to a degree, right. Where it's, you've got to be able to, to really play with it. So my hope is this week we're doing, uh, like scenario building into adventures and a little tiny bit of world building so that they, you know, that we can have a GM cause I still yep. can't run 30 people. You yeah, know? that's a, that would be a bit of a, of a trick. <laughs> <laughs> that would be difficult. So, um, hoping that that will lead to the following week, having some tables with, I mean, everything's going to be rough and people are going to do everything wrong. But oh, that, sure. But that you got to start somewhere. Yep. So and that's half the fun. You know, you really do can things be. up, yeah. but it'll be a good time anyway. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So having introed and gotten that stuff out of the way, yeah. You have a topic for this evening. You want to bust that sucker out? Yes, let us charge through the gate on our righteous steed as before yes. teased. I want to talk First about through the breach. I want to talk about paladins. I want to talk yeah! about the righteous holy warrior clad in metal. Perhaps riding a horse, perhaps not. And how I mean, it's, you know, what is the myth what is the pretending? What is the fantasy? Mm. Maybe a tiny bit about where that comes from and what our sort of expectations are. Talking about the uh, paladin in Dungeons and Dragons and other popular mm. media and, and similar things. Sure. And then, you know, getting a little bit into how 5th edition interprets it, if we can get that far. Right on. Now you've been a big fan of the paladin trope of the archetype, let's say, for a long, long time. Right? Oh, I, totally. I think ever since I've met you, you know, you've had that vibe for sure. And I think that was like the first character that you played uh, in a game with me, and it was third edition. Yep. And you were playing a half celestial paladin, no less. Th that's right. That's right. And I was definitely not half celestial. <laughs> you were definitely not half or, celestial. Yeah, though. my character was quite dark and very edgy. And as, they, as you do, as you do. And you know, this had largely been um, in, informed by a previous game you've played that we've talked about on the show mm -hmm. uh, a bit. And nominee. Yep. And so Correct. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about. You know, how yeah. did, how did you get the paladin bug? How did it get in your system? You know, I I think honestly it comes a bit from my upbringing. You know, similar to you, I was raised going to church and um you know, I had my fair amount of time as a kid, you know, getting picked on or made fun of for, you know, having those beliefs and things like that yeah yeah you know and relatable and it uh it can often feel like being the good guy or being the nice guy just automatically made you lame or wimpy or you know not cool 
and I always wanted this uh, this idea of where you could be the super good guy and also be awesome or feel awesome or have other people think you're awesome. Um, and the paladin is really kind of where that all smashed together. And, you know, when, when I started playing in Omine back in the day, um, my very first character who, as you said, I kind of tried to bring over, uh, and make a D and D version of that same character. He was, uh, a, a cherub guardian angel, um, named Ezekiel and he was like a no nonsense kind of dude. Like they, um, as Nate talked about back on our, uh, the final episode of our first season, he mentioned that the, uh, the demons had basically started spreading around the rumor that the cherubs were basically these little, flying babies that wore diapers and you know they're like super cute and cuddly when in reality the cherubs are like heaven's military and you know their their celestial forms are these big like fearsome animals and stuff like that um and it just it really allowed me to feel that sense of like you know like righteous power and um, that being that kind of beacon of good could also make you like a super badass, you know, it was very gratifying and kind of validating in a sort of way, I guess, now that I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the way you put it is like good, but awesome. Yeah. Because good isn't always like vis- visually cool. You might say, um, oh yeah, I mean, they're... they. I remember on uh, on Futurama of all things, there was this. Uh, I think it was an episode where Bender, for whatever reason, was floating through space, and some like little organisms like started building a colony or whatever on its right, chest. Yeah. yeah, and they wind up like treating him like God. And, you know, Bender gets a big head and all this stuff. And then finally, the whole thing gets wiped out and ruined or whatever. And later on in the episode, Bender winds up running into God, it, I guess, themselves. Um, right. Yeah, yeah. Like itself, you might say. Right. Yeah. Like it's, it's like this cosmic force. Right. And right. Bender's like asking him these questions and going basically like how do you you know how do you know if you did the right thing or you know questions similar to that and the response he got I still remember was great said generally and you know I'm paraphrasing but if when you do something right typically no one realizes you did anything at all because Mm -hmm. it just it's just how things should be so no one really bats an eye you know it's not always really this kind of showy thing like you say okay yeah yeah um 
Yeah, that's one of their more famous episodes where they get a little bit more philosophical than they might typically right. get, you know, and and that's cool. So I think that there was I, I think I had a similar thing really kind of growing up where mm-hmm. my my natural predilection was always to be kind to people, right? But not necessarily to be terribly pious. Right. Like I didn't want to like hurt anybody, but I also wasn't into church and I, and I felt sure. like I was supposed to be. And, and the reason I wasn't is cause like something was wrong with me. So right. I, re- so I really tried to go full bore. Right. And I really tried to play the part, like kind of fake it till you make it. Right. Yeah. And I think it worked for a while. You know, I, I, I kind of was able to get there and yeah, and then I was a you know a missionary and stuff, and uh, that paladin trope really kind of stuck with me too, you know. Oh, sure. And you know, in high school is what you know when I both decided to to you know go full on with with religion at the mm-hmm. time, and it was also the time I of course discovered Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. And so for very me, serendipitous. Yeah, for me, games would were sort of informing this fantasy of the righteous warrior of the person who would be a hero in in every facet and and defend the weak and the helpless and yeah, go kick the crap out of evil. You know, you you want to feel like the the superhero, if you will. And you, and I think it's also the embodiment of a lot of frustration. Yeah. Because it's like we can't deal with our problems that way and we see injustice everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we either don't know how to make a difference or we like we can't given the certain circumstances that we're in. And, right. we, and we all would like to just take a great sword and smite our problem. Yeah. That would man, that'd be the best. That would be the best indeed, right? So it certainly would. So if we want that, you know, the the paladin trope is a is a perfect outlet for that kind of feeling. Yeah, it sure is. And so the the paladin, I, I looked it up a bit, and it seems to come from. Uh, Emperor Charlemagne, and essentially there was a myth that um, it was like the French version of like the Camelot story and of the Knights of the yeah, Round the Table. The Arthurian legend. The Arthurian legend. So it was like the French version, and they were there were twelve knights, and of course that number is very important in in Christian mythology. Oh, totally. Right, you know, obviously twelve apostles being a, a key thing, right. and you know they they uh, they serve the king, and then you see this idea kind of crop up throughout history. It's used by uh, by by Germans, and it's used by eventually it's it's borrowed. Uh, it's in the Holy Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and you see. You see this uh, term come about and exist in popular fiction, and there is a book where uh, the guys at D and D kind of got their idea. And I'm trying to look it up here. Um, and in the meantime, I just have to say, Charlemagne is 
a is an awesome name. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, you know, it's a fence. It's kind of like Charles, but still. I was going to say if somebody good. got named Charlemagne nowadays, it'd just get whacked right down to Charlie. Yeah. Yeah. So these were, um, you know, people that would accompany the the king himself or whoever was, you know, or the emperor. The King's Guard, uh, if you will. The King's Guard, yeah. There, so there's definitely this like sort of defensive, elite, you know, chivalric aspect of it that that exists. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, they they are the quintessential knight in shining armor. They right? really are, right? At least at least some version of it. And so, yes, you know. Um, I can't find that book offhand. Is it Shonsland the uh, Jets? No, that's one. And I had it open. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No. <laughs> it's gone. That's okay. <laughs> womp, 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 womp. Okay, whatever. Um, let's see. So uh, eventually, of course, we get the Paladin character class that appears mm-hmm. in 1975 for Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, it's it's and it has a lot of these same vibes. And what they essentially do is they have a warrior that has some healing ability and the ability to use some degree of divine magic. And and of course, one of the things they're most known for is the smite ability. I shall smite you down. Yep. I would say smite and lay on hands are probably the two like very well known uh, powers that they have. Yeah. And lay, laying on hands is something that you see, you know, even in, in modern Christianity in right. various rituals to confer blessings, to perform rituals right, and, the, and this sort of thing. So it, it, it was very interesting to me because, you know, growing up Mormon using the lay on, laying on of hands is a thing that they still do. Mm-hmm. And it was something I was taught to do, and it's and it's something I had performed several times. So seeing that in a game, and also having that experience of being picked on, like mm-hmm. you did, you know, was something that had that had stuck with me, and that that it hit me. Yeah. So I've I've played a paladin. You've played a paladin. You've played a couple. I've played a couple. I'm kind and of. I enjoy headed, them. I'm possibly heading into my second um, because I might multi-class my bard as a paladin. Ooh, neat. Multi-classing is an adventure. And according to Wikipedia, the paladin's most influential appearance is in the Song of Roland, which is a uh, which is a work written between 1015 and 1115. Um, That's a bit of a range. It's a bit of a range, yeah. Um, and my bard is—he's currently a Valor bard, and his name is Roland. Mm-hmm. Very appropriate. Very appropriate. So I might uh, might go that way just just because now I know this, and that's that's kind of so, cool. So that was coincidental. That was coincidental, right? Wow, what are the chances? That's yeah, pretty that was, cool. That was coincidental. You know, I just I did want this, the you know, the sort of heroic, you know, kind of Steve Rogers esque name. Yeah, you know, 
By the way, who's more of a paladin in the Avengers? Is it Steve Rogers or Thor? Um, honestly, I would say I would say Steve Rogers because it's the it's the attitude, it's the mentality. I I would say Thor is fighter through and through. I mean, yeah, he, maybe even barbarian. Know, <laughs> yeah, he's maybe got, even barbarian. Like he's, got he's some. that's that's my guy right there. Um, but yeah, I you know. Because I think a lot of people would, you know, immediately start looking at the the ability to use magic, and I think that that's not really the point. You know, it's it's a neat feature, but I don't think that, um, you know, the personality of a paladin, I think, is probably much more important than, you know, than the ability have and access stuff. to magics. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would tend to agree, you know, especially after watching like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, oh, you know, totally. and it being like extra, you know, honed in that the reason Steve Rogers was special um, was because he was incorruptible. Right. You know, and, he, and he, that, you know, in Endgame, he can lift Thor's hammer. You know, right. And maybe he could have done it in, <laughs> in Age of Ultron. We're not sure. Right. Right. So. He he very well encapsulates that thing without having necessarily all the trappings. But for a moment, let's let's take a moment and let's describe the trappings. What what are all the things about Paladin that we typically expect? Uh well, sword, shield, big shiny suit of armor, and being, you know, super lawful good guy. You know, the defender of the weak and the innocent. Aha! Yeah, the, in earlier editions, they were required to be lawful good, in fact. It's only right. very recently that now there are different options for, for right. being different alignments, even evil. Right. Which, I mean, I, I understand why they did it. Um, sure. But, you know. It, it seems off-brand to you. It's not something it, you would do. It's not it's not something I would do. I mean, for me, I liked how uh in 3.5 they had the black guard uh which was basically your evil paladin or the fallen paladin. Um and I I liked the distinction that like when when you said the word paladin, you were it, you were by default referring to the best of the best good guy. Right. Yeah. You know, and I, I liked that part of it that it, you know, all most of the other classes, you know, even cleric are typically, you know, pretty flexible and you can flavor them in all kinds of different ways. And I, I liked the idea that like, the paladin is is unique in the fact that being the good guy is the thing that makes him what he is or she is. Right. Um, yeah. That it's that it's inherent. So, yeah. Right? And uh, yeah, and I can see that. And and maybe having these these fallen subclasses or or I went a different way subclasses. 
mm-hmm. you know, could have been a way to handle that. And they chose not to do that for fifth edition. And that's fine. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, you know, so Paladin is in a way sort of altered a little bit, but of course it's altered since its original inception too. Right. And, you know, when it, when I look at Star Wars, essentially, we're you might argue that we're also looking at a paladin story, right? Yeah. Uh, all, all the way through the fallen paladin archetype, mm-hmm. right? Darth Vader being the most most famous example of that, right? And you know, with things like the Black Guard or in Fifth Edition, the Oathbreaker Paladin. Yep. You know, you you have that that sort of Arthas slash yes um darth vader kind of vibe that arthas is another like picture perfect example well yeah and in warcraft 3 he you begin the game playing as arthas and yep. you are a paladin and you're off doing the righteous thing and, and you're slowly led down the path of corruption mm. uh in order to do the greater good for the kingdom for the king for the greater good. For the greater good. And, and and that is a great way to make a paladin fall, of course. Oh yeah. Um is to is to pave that road, as they say. Yep. And and Arthas does it very, very well. And he gets a magic sword called Frostmorn that Yep. At that point, you know, they say it steals its soul, but I mean it's really just the icing on the cake. At this yeah. point, he's already essentially committed atrocities. He's already done terrible things, and he's he has set his ideals aside for his practical need. Yeah, and that is that is something that is you know sort of antithetical to the ideal of the of the paladin, right? Yep, the paladin must allow the worst consequence to happen without sullying honor or going against code. Right. They're, they're unwavering. That's why I, uh, the most recent paladin I played my red dragon in your home campaign was, uh, straight up named adamant, Mm -hmm. which means that very thing. Like, you know, I, shall not be moved kind of uh, idea. And I think that that character largely lived up to that idea, right? He was... I'm glad. You know, he wasn't as stoic as some of the other characters I've seen you play. Sure. But he, you know, he had a lightness to him, but he would definitely get serious when it was time to get serious. And yeah. he, he did some very paladin-y things, you know, beyond just smiting, and he did plenty of smiting. Yeah, but you know, but he did selfless acts of self-sacrifice. He was great. I loved that character so much. Yeah, he was a great character. He was a really good character, and a lot of that comes from playing into that trope well. Yeah, yeah, there, and you got to kind of believe in it too. I think a little bit. Like Paladin is. You know, I I love fighter. I might even go so far as to say that nowadays it's become my my favorite class. But I feel like some classes, especially like like fighter or rogue or you know wizard, even you can kind of feel like any kind of person could 
you know, wing it and play a, you know, passably believable version of that kind of character. Um, where I, I feel like with a paladin, you know, it's one of those classes where you got to at least have a little spark of that in your soul. You know yeah. what I mean? You got to feel it. Right. There's a, a certain mindset that yeah. you're kind of looking for, for sure. And uh, I played a paladin a couple times, actually, now that I think about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've played I played one in third edition who was an archer and third edition or 3.5. I think it was three, five technically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in fact, it was definitely three, five. Mm. And that's back when archer paladin was a thing you could do. And I really, mm. really love the idea of the archer paladin, you know, you oh, want, yeah. it, it's a, perhaps a bit on the nose, but like you are literally the straight arrow, right? Right. Or the arrow of light or pointing the way to the path, right? Um, Yeah. I love that idea, right? Well, I mean, shoot, 5e even has a a weapon called an oath bow. Yeah, it does. Which is pretty neat. That is pretty neat. Unfortunately, and while paladins can use bows, they can't smite off of them. Uh, in fifth edition, which is really disappointing. Um, I really wish that they would reconsider that, but I would also be curious to know what the reasoning for that is. Um, yeah, if there's like significant balance ramifications or something, perhaps if you could smite from a distance. There was a short amount of time I also tried to play an archer paladin for Pathfinder, but that campaign really didn't go anywhere. Hmm. And I've had a couple of other quick attempts at Paladin that never really panned out. The first, or the the first one in fifth edition that did pan out was my half orc Paladin Amarak. Yep. Um, and he was uh, a lot of fun to play. He had some <laughs> definitely a much more complicated um, path that he went yeah, on than he, Adamant. He definitely went uh, through some things. He definitely went through some things. He tr- he went through some like figurative and literal transformations. I was going to say, yeah. You know, I, I think there were things that I was figuring out by playing him that maybe reflected too much in the character, but there were, there was definitely a lot of depth to him. Right. And it was, you know, even though there were some, there were some trouble spots, it was definitely one of my favorite characters that I'd ever played. Yeah, he was really great. So, uh, in 5th edition, they really they get away from the Archer Paladin. They basically say, okay, you can shoot a bow if you want, but you can only smite off melee weapon attacks. Mm. So, you are really meant to be in melee most of all. Oh, yeah. And None of the subclasses no really get you away from that. Uh, but the subclasses do give us a, a little bit more nuance with the various paladin expectations yeah. that one might have. But before I jump right into that, what have been your favorite things to do with a paladin? You know, I, I feel like paladin makes for being a... 
a very how do I say this? Uh, not the best, but a a very impactful party face. Um, oh, where, for sure. Yeah. You know, you you rock that high charisma, and you know you you just walk with that. Uh, you know, I've got the power of good swagger in your step, and you know you just go evil flees before me and you know you just the everyone comes rallying to your cause and it's super fun and super awesome and you know just gets you all pumped up um apart from that you know the smiting and the the smiting and the laying on of the hands and the, the <laughs> things and you know um it's to to me that that's that stuff is all kind of well and good but you know like i mentioned before it just it feels like the the real sort of uh special magic if you will of playing a paladin is acting like a dang paladin you know i see so i think that you know when we look at gameplay mm what we want to do is not necessarily separate that idea, but we definitely want to complement it, right? Oh, we yeah. definitely want to express paladinness, not just in our role playing, but but also in the abilities. Sure. And I think that there was there have been some things that have really hit with that, and some things that have been maybe powerful, but not. They I don't, don't know if feel they help. Paladin-y. They don't necessarily feel paladin-y or, or feel like you're really playing into the trope that well. Right. So I think, by and large, 5th Edition has done a good job of giving us a, a variety of paladins that fulfill oh, it's, certain it's narratives. on that. Yeah. Even if there are little things I might quibble about. Sure. So, like, in the player's handbook right away, we get the devotion paladin. And the Devotion Paladin is pretty much everything that we've been describing up till now. Yep, it is the it's the, the Paladin. Paladin. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, it really was. And now, Adamant was he Devotion? Yes, he was. Yeah, he was Devotion. So uh, that makes sense. You know, talking about that that ability to you know deflect um, any sort of temptation. Mm-hmm. You know, is really expressed in a way in this subclass that doesn't exist as much in the others, right? Um, because at level six, um, in addition to getting the or at level seven, they get the aura of devotion. The which, auras were one of my favorite things. Those are super cool. And uh, in Diablo two, auras were like how the paladin class functioned right Ooh. you you essentially had like like passive abilities and then you had well you had like a like melee abilities like our abilities like spells or something maybe there were only two trees i don't remember mm. but like in diablo 2 you would definitely there was like an aura tree and you pretty much put all your points into one of them um so the one i always enjoyed the most was aura of thorns Mm-hmm. which would make everyone take damage for hitting you, right? And I think that that's something that some of the Paladin stuff does express. This idea yeah. of, like, righteous retribution and karma 
even yeah you know kind of coming through mm-hmm. um so i mean we have abilities called like sacred weapon and turn the unholy mm-hmm. they get you know the spells they get are protection from good and evil and uh sanctuary and lesser restoration right you know beacon of hope uh zone of truth you know these are very sort of highfalutin concepts that do a good job of expressing paladinness through gameplay oh yeah just the names themselves alone you know you say i'm gonna cast beacon of hope it's like oh you know could you get a little more paladiny i don't know and in the right context, um, in the right campaign, let's say, the Devotion Paladin can be almost unstoppable. Oh, um, yeah. I think in Curse of Strahd, <laughs> it would be not bad. Oh, um, they'd, they'd, they'd kick a lot of butt, that's for sure. They would kick a lot of butt. I mean, be, having an aura of you can't be charmed that you can share yeah. with your allies within 10 feet. That'd I be mean, neat. That'd be neat. So that's pretty good. Pretty good. But it's also one of those things where, like, in a lot of other campaigns, it might not come up, right? Or or if it does, it's, like, not very often. Sure. I mean, Uh, you know, it it could also be one of those things, though, where it's like, you know, it may not come up often, but when it does, you're pretty dang glad you had it. (laughs) You're pretty, yeah. Right. Yeah, and the Paladin Auras are, are typically pretty good, right? There's a couple of them from various subclasses, like Oath of Valor, that's a mm-hmm. little bit underwhelming, where they get, like, uh, 10 movement speed. Right. You know, for them and their allies, which adds to this, like, charger idea, which I think is is a trope. The sort of cavalier the, mounted the sort of cavalier... Knight you know sally forth into battle oh, yeah. right you know speed and movement is is good for that and um that's something that paladins especially in 5e where they can't optimize archery you know they definitely want to get moving if they can oh yeah and this is something that the vengeance paladin does incredibly well vengeance oh, yeah. paladin is like the sticky paladin right mm. So vengeance is is interesting because it's this other side where we're not really doing hope and joy anymore. Yeah. We, we we're put we've put the helm on. We have the dark grim countenance. Oh yeah, you're you're judge, jury and executioner it, It's paladin. the judgment aspect. Yeah, it's the in you know, in World of Warcraft, we, which we mentioned before, probably the most successful armor set in the whole game visually speaking oh judgment baby was the paladin's judgment armor which came out i think it was like the tier two set it was, it was in tier vanilla. two yep yeah and it was gorgeous oh yeah it, i mean you it, still see people cosplay that thing oh you still do because it was just a brilliant design and it had this hood with like an iron mask identity, which was just super slick, you know? And it was, and it had this sort of priestly robe armor instead of like the leggings that you would typically see. Right. And so, and like the, the shoulder pads were like tomes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It was, it was everything about that set is just so cool. 
and then the on top of that it's like gorgeous. all black gold white and red like just very yes. it was the right scheme let's say yeah it was awesome yeah and it was just really cool so um we really get more of that in the vengeance paladin like here are some of their abilities that they have right you know abjure enemy vow of enmity um they have misty step which doesn't sound paladin-y but it but if you think of it as like i'm trying to get in <laughs> oh yeah like it's, it's pretty good it, you it know? gets the flavor gets pretty rad oh man relentless avenger relentless avenger that's Need my i say more nope like it's what does awesome. it even do who gives a damn nope <laughs> who cares uh but its actual ability is pretty cool uh, allows you to really really stick to an enemy and click okie dokie sorry about that no problem no so no relentless problem. avenger is super thematic and who gives a crap what the thing does that's like such a good name yeah it's such a good name uh then there's like of course they get like haste and hunter's mark and bane yep. right like this is the stoic angry no nonsense i am here to smite some demons paladin right yep so they they've their level 20 capstone ability is called avenging angel and you literally get wings and a 60 foot uh flying speed like i'm i was looking at that right now and i'm like man why do you gotta wait till 20, 20 to get that yeah like, I, don't, I don't think any other class has their capstone subclass thing at um at level 20 only the paladin does and uh unless i have that wrong but i think mm. that that's true and the and the paladin like if you're gonna pick one class that that happens to i feel like i would pick them oh sure right because in many ways like paladins are kind of dnt <laughs> really i think so you know like like if you were, if you're to reduce the the DC universe to one character, it would be Batman, right? Like if you're gonna, eh, it, you, you you don't think people would argue Superman? Yeah, some like, people would argue, and they would lose, and then it would be, be wrong. Batman, and okay. they would be wrong, sure. right? Like That's, yeah, Superman's okay. definitely second place. <laughs> He's definitely sure. second, but come on, like He's Batman. Really think about the Rogues Gallery here, right? That's how you define oh, sure. it right because what uh, superman's got dumb villains okay he's got lex he's great okay and dark side's cool but he's kind of like everybody's villain but batman's got joker so mic drop so mic drop and then like (laughs) need i even say more i mean he's got calendar man for god's sakes so it's um (laughs) don't mess with calendar man if, if you look at marvel right and they and they get told you have to drop every character except one spider-man spider-man right yeah no doubt it's spider-man okay um you go to D and you say drop everything except for one i yeah. think i, I mean, think it's i think it's the paladin yeah you are right? like 
if you have to pick one person who's gonna march into a dungeon and fight a dragon like the knight in shining armor george saint george versus the dragon it's it, it, it the entire scene is historically in literature iconic you know you want to talk about like creating character motivation uh i rolled paladin okay <laughs> yeah you know yeah. we really you know what you're about we don't need to stretch too much to say there's an evil thing that's say no more right i got you i got you i'm on my way right and you know some you know you people could argue that's fine uh, it's a bold statement but i i would if i were a betting man that's what i would say i would say mm -hmm. you, you know push comes to shove gun to your head you get one class to represent dnd it's the paladin yeah um let's say Plus, you know you kind of you kind of get when you look at the paladin a bit of a bit of everything potentially like you get the melee you get the magic you get you know even depending on which way you go in terms of subclasses you get some mobility you get you know the even mounted fighting and all that stuff like it a paladin can sort of cover at least almost all the bases if not all of them right yeah i mean depending on how you build them yeah i mean in terms of like ranged damage they're pretty lackluster sure um but i mean you can still pick up a bow they can still right you can still do it there's some spells most of them don't come online till later where you get some some ranged ability uh mm -hmm. in tasha's you can take like i forget what it's called but it's like holy warrior maybe and it's a it's an alternative fighting style so instead mm. of instead of taking like duelist or um protection or great weapon master you can take this and it gives you like two cleric cantrips Ooh! so you can do like sacred, sacred flame. flame yeah so if you want to do sacred flame over and over again you can definitely do it so that that can kind of come into play if we bring in all the books, right? It's not very effective, but you can do it. Oh, um, totally. But I say, hey, you bring back the Archric Paladin, we have no problems. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Archer Paladin would be really cool. It's it's a neat idea, and I don't I don't know why. You know what? Well, yeah. I mean, I guess we said that already. You know what? I'm gonna Google it. I'm gonna Google it right now. Why no ranged? paladins <laughs> in 5e you know this what is this this is what you come here folks hard-hitting journalism <laughs> real-time research it, it, <laughs> baby this is for you guys oh my gosh whatever that i i guess i would have to look through this for a while um Womp womp. Jeremy Crawford on Twitter. Here we go. Okay, it says Divine Smite works with melee attacks only because the Paladin is traditionally a melee combatant. Story angle. Mm. Divine yeah. Smite is generously 
designed partly because the paladin has to use it in melee and melee abilities uh, often pose a risk to the user rules angle. that yep that and that's that's kind of where my brain was thinking that uh that that's where the reasoning would be right the, the, the first answer i'm like whatever but the second one i'm like okay <laughs> well yeah i mean and i i can see why why you would be that way i mean you think about it the the ability to dump a smite especially on on a crit or something like that if you can do that with a freaking longbow at like 120 feet that's like like why would you go melee you know you if you could pump that through like a heavy crossbow <laughs> you know it stuff could get crazy real it could, quick it could you get could. crazy so i mean uh, uh you know there's ways that you could adapt it for your table like you might say of course because like a level one smite's like 2d8 right so mm-hmm. you might say okay if it's ranged it's one right or you might say um like the first comment on here is hey me and my friend were having uh oh no it's uh yeah the first comment says i think i'm going to allow range paladin to smite as long as they declare it before the shot seems like a fair trade-off mm. i think that's interesting right like i could yeah. be i could be down with that because a- as it is in fifth edition right now you usually try to save your smites until you like critically hit because when you do that you get all the dice twice yeah i mean if or if, if you're people like are playing trying for optimization to, right but it's also you know even in terms of story like you want that big mighty smite right like anytime i've played with a with a paladin they always like just drool over the big smite right like oh, they love course. they love that moment you know because everyone's doing like 12 damage 15 damage you know and then you drop like an 83 and, point smite <laughs> they're just like just ridiculous 40 damage and everyone's like what in the world i am <laughs> level four right like yep. what is this it gets crazy and it can absolutely turn a battle around and i really like that because that has so much dramatic weight to it oh yeah the paladin busts in and saves the day right yeah it absolutely can can turn the battle around so you know you can you can homebrew anything and flavors free blah 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 so but it's uh you know as written supposed to be melee only in fifth edition that's fine the third uh subclass that it gives us in the player's handbook is the oath of the ancients and this one is the first kind of uh departure from what we would typically see yeah Um, and it's uh but it's very interesting it's this sort of paladin of nature Mm -hmm. um i am the defender of the woodlands it's like okay i wanted to be a ranger but i also wanted to be a paladin at the same time you know to me it always had like more um more druidy yeah vibes well yeah same kind of idea i'm gonna I'm going to swear my life to defending, you know, the soul of nature and, you know, the green, 
the mother nature's virtue if if you will yeah you might say that yeah i mean um and i hadn't really seen too many tropes of this and then we saw the green knight yep uh which i loved what a crazy movie and it has this big giant like druidy paladin in it yeah Um, it's not action-packed the character doesn't do that much in fact the only thing he really does is get his own head cut off right but but he has this like wisdom and teachery angle which i thought was really interesting yeah it's 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 really it's kind of a cerebral movie it was, it, it was really I, I need to like get familiar with uh the actual arthurian legend yeah about that go, go check out um the once and future king yeah it's really good yeah i gotta gotta check that one out that's a required reading so yay, yay. i will i will do that i like th um, white for anybody out there who's thinking about tracking it down i listened through it on uh audible which yeah. i really really enjoyed the narrator is really good so oh, if good. you check it out th white's the once and future king and look for the complete version because it's actually a series of five books but you can get them all as like one uh complete thing so keep an eye out for that if uh if that's something you're interested in so this is um, uh, in the book as it is described. It's essentially lending itself to like elves mm-hmm. and being this sort of elven version of a paladin. And I think originally that was it was restricted to human only, mm. um, like in earlier editions. It it's a cool idea to to give more flavor to paladin and to give it more options and oh the the ancients is plenty powerful i think right Um, even though i think most optimizers and i'll i'll admit that like i've been on a kick lately of watching like subclass tier lists Mm -hmm. i am kind of a sucker for tier lists to be honest (laughs) you know i every time i see it i'm like that's clickbait and then i click it immediately (laughs) got him i've watched all the dungeon dudes subclass videos i've watched uh trant monks temple uh you know um pack tactics you know everything and Mm -hmm. uh they have great arguments and you almost have to remove uh vengeance paladin because it's it's honestly just too good (laughs) yeah it's just absolutely ridiculous how strong it is compared to its its counterparts. Like flavor wise, well, it is kind of locked in, but at the same time, like if you do just want power, <laughs> there you go. It, it pretty much just beats everything. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're not necessarily here to talk optimization. I no, think, we're no, we're not. Yeah. We're not. But I I thought I'd mention it. But yeah. Um, other subclasses we get just briefly in other books we get uh, in Xanathar's we get uh, what is it the uh, Oath of Conquest yep. and, and uh, Oath of Redemption and, and Conquest is kind of weird it, it's kind of like wanting to do Oathbreaker without doing Oathbreaker yep it, you know I you know they they get some really cool abilities I mean 
I'll, I'll say straight up, we have an oath of quant, quant, quantest, conquest <laughs> paladin in, uh, yeah, Andrew's mouth doesn't want to do what Andrew's brain's telling it to do. Uh, speak good. Uh, the we have an oath of conquest paladin in our curse of straw game and i gotta say like you know it's even been a point of discussion in character between uh some of you player characters how the uh oath of conquest how it's it's vows you know, you compare that to Strahd or like some of these uh, like history's greatest conquerors. Any sort of militaristic villain. Yeah. And it really like it's like da- Douse the Flame of Hope is one of the tenets. Right. 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 And I'm like, uh, uh, you know. There's only so much hand waving you can do here <laughs> thematically. Like it's like okay, if you look at the devotion paladin, and if that is everything that you know to to most folks who know the trope, if the devotion paladin is everything that a paladin is supposed to be, it feels like conquest just takes a hard left. And goes like, yeah, it is a hard departure, um, right? Yeah, and it's it it's certainly effective. I mean, it's the oh, ar- sure. the auras of fear and stuff are very strong, but it's yeah, it it kind of is the odd man out, in yeah. my opinion. Before actually going all the way to Oathbreaker. Right, uh, which is in the uh, the dungeon master's guide, actually, and yeah. it, that is really for that moment where you were a righteous paladin and then you were not, right? right. And you go into that Arthas slash Darth Vader Death Knight kind of thing and play into that fantasy. And so, to that end, I think thematically it works. Yeah, I I just I feel like conquest is you know like, I, I it's kind of like getting it, off scot-free in a way right right because I, I was just is like say, committing <laughs> it it feels like one the um kind of a cop-out from a from a design slash thematics perspective like oh you know I want to it's is it possible for a player to be a murder hobo and not like lose their paladin powers? Have we got an idea for you? Um, but also it, it feels like the, I want to have my cake and eat it too. It does. Yeah. Class, right. It's kind of like when players like, I want to be chaotic neutral and what they really mean is evil. Yeah, <laughs> but they don't want to like pay for it. You don't want to commit. You don't want to commit, you know. And I don't know. There's probably some good um, interpretations out there. There, there is like this paladin as military commander. Yes. Um, historically, and you know, even in literature, you could 
take the angle well like these paladins weren't necessarily historically great guys and right they were you know they were 12 crusaders who were specifically out to destroy islam you know so you can really you know you can take that angle and, and conquest could work um or you could say um hey we have to do this for the good of the kingdom or something but i think that if you There's want your greater good defense your greater good defense <laughs> which is not a good defense but nope. i think that if you want <laughs> sure. to play you know in terms of role playing like that paladin who serves the kingdom then mm. there there literally is another oath for that which is oath of the crown right which is in a uh, sword coast adventurers guide that would i think that would also fit like a um something of a his uh maybe like a historical fiction kind of game yeah i think where so. like you could imagine like a roman commander being that right oh, yeah, like for sure it's all about the republic now it, you know we're not talking about optimization correct so thematically it's good yeah <laughs> I mean, Oath of the Crown. Yeah, Oath of the Crown. Yeah, thematically, I mean, it's it's a cool it's a cool idea. It's I have, a cool idea. That is that is one of the subclasses that I'm very unfamiliar with. Um, yeah, um, there's there's other things that do it better. Speaking of doing it doing better, there's Oath of Redemption. I was just, just looking at that one. Yeah, Oath of Redemption is the more pacifist, but not necessarily pacifist, uh, paladin where it punishes the wicked by their own deeds. And that is something mm. that I think is very satisfying. You could potentially oh. do some crazy damage by reflecting dealt damage to monsters. Oh, totally. I, you know, just, just the first time I read oath of redemption like i didn't care about any of the mechanical features just the the flavor of who this kind of paladin is like it feels right it feels thematically like right alongside devotion right it's got that same sort of vibe it it does it it drips with with good yeah right and you know ancient's does lean into good very well as well you know when when you read the description beforehand Mm. but the abilities don't necessarily feel like they land you know whereas whereas with redemption it does um you know i've played some hearthstone i think you did you play any hearthstone you play a little bit you played a little bit right yeah yeah i played a fair amount and the the paladin class in hearthstone has a lot of reflected damage oh, and sure. a lot shields of shields for days yeah and like punishing your enemy for being aggressive mm-hmm. um they have stuff that like will reduce a character a monster's attack like way down mm. you know and and sort of pacify them and magic the gathering white magic does similar things where there's like healing and buffing but there's also like literally the pacifism spell mm-hmm. or a creature enchantment that you put it on a creature and they can't do anything. Right. Right. It just basically renders them useless. Uh, Which is my, fine. <laughs> my favorite card 
in all of Magic the Gathering is righteousness. Yeah. Righteousness is awesome because it's a um it's an instant and when it when you get attacked you can basically have your defender block right and then Mm -hmm. for one white mana you can give that defender plus seven plus seven what (laughs) what and it's crazy so it's just like i you know (laughs) Righteousness, one mana, target defending creature gains plus seven, plus seven until end of turn. You know, not a bad deal. Not a bad deal, you know, (laughs) and that is really cool because, you know, in terms of gameplay, it's that your opponent is looking at your board and they're going, I have my big guy and I'm just going to like trample on these little scrubs. Oh, yeah. And then you have this very much David and Goliath moment. You know, where you step yep. out with your little one one or whatever, and then and then a miracle occurs, and oh. then they win, and then they win, bringing down the haughty and uh, egotistical low. There and you go. That is that is a beautiful moment expressed through through gameplay. Absolutely. So absolutely, I love any of these abilities that that. But the gameplay helps your theme. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's when game design is at its best. And there are, you know, there are times when that's easier to do than others. Um, You know, there sometimes abstraction is, you know, the only way that you can really nail something. Or there might be some things that just depending on what your core gameplay loops are, you know, in D&D, stuff that has to do with fighting tends to, you know, get a bit more stage presence than things that don't. That's not to say that you can't have games that lean into those other aspects, but a lot of people do tend to favor the the war game side of uh of this but yeah it definitely depends on the player type right? yeah i i don't usually like to play as many straightforward classes every now and then i do mm. you know my paladin was probably pretty straightforward but um a lot of my other characters i usually try to get a class to do something bizarre or clever mm. you know uh I know, like, uh, our friend Chris that we play with, he almost never plays anything straight up. <laughs> right. He's always trying to make a class do what it's not supposed to do. Right? And, yeah. And I always think that that's cool. Right? Now, it doesn't it always cool. It doesn't always pan out, but it's always interesting. You know? It is. So, um, I really, really enjoy that. In uh, uh, Tasha's, we get a reprint of the uh, Oath of Glory from Mythic Odysseys of Theros. And Glory is kind of cool. I think that if you if you ban <laughs> Vengeance from your table for balance reasons, um, then Valor might be a good second option. <laughs> um, don't ban don't ban classes. You should That's ban Moon Druid though. You should. Um, Why? You should ban Moon Druid because it's way too strong early and then it sucks later. 
it's not it's not a well-balanced subclass um it has it has major design flaws where early on you're getting like upward you're getting like 200 hit points worth of value it's it it's too much mm. and then it doesn't scale mm. and so you really just should ban it that's why you multi-class unless like you're you're gonna be at a like a very specific you know zone of levels you should i don't know you should I, ban it i don't know okay. i i just i just say let, we're not talking about druids. we're talking about ride, paladins man. yeah and i think i don't think vengeance is so out of control that you know if you're if your campaign is largely a war game i think vengeance is just clearly better than the other ones but if you are doing some role playing then you really have more options again right yeah. and that's and that's helpful and um oath of glory also kind of gets you moving around it plays a little bit more with athletics it kind of gets this idea of like the olympics embodied into into the paladin in that you're doing it for the love of the game the sport the well you might say the glory of it yeah um, it's, it's but maybe like, even the glorification of the gods and of course the gods play a huge part in theros right right you're you're bringing glory to the deity or principle that you have uh sworn yourself to so but. and then and then because we're just kind of low on time, the last one I'll talk about is the Oath of the Watchers, also from Tasha's, and mm. um, it's it's a weird combination of doing like the Night's Watch, you know, the Paladin as the is the overseer, the Sentinel, the Guardian, the um, shield that guards guards the the realms, realms of, of men, men, if you, you might say. Uh, but also there's like some Heimdall in there, right? Uh, the, the sort of omniscience overseer. Look, it has counterspell, okay? <laughs> Neat. That's cool. <laughs> so, I mean, what else do you want? Um, that, you know, <laughs> I, I got nothing like, I haven't you know, done a that... deep dive look into watchers, but, uh, people tend to like it. They tend to think it's a, a pretty good viable option. So. Yeah, um, but it, I and think that also hits a trope that that's good for paladins. Whereas again, conquest, I I have issues. But yeah, it's a it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. Well, but, I think we have kind of beat this dead steed into the ground. Oh, um, poor steed. I will say this though: Xanathar's has a spell called Find Greater Steed, and you just gotta take it. Okay. Because yeah. it's just the best. If you're going to play a paladin, there's nothing like riding a big magical horse into battle. You have like a unicorn or a pegasus, or in my character's case, he had a nightmare. Um, it's pretty amazing. Highly I mean, recommend. You know, speaking of things that thematically seem paladin-y, uh, black horse wreathed in flames <laughs> let's totally. just focus on the flames okay because hey even the devotion paladin cast flame strike so yeah you know if the devotion paladin Look, is I, doing his job he won't have to cast flame strike okay I, 
I yeah, I know. Well, that, that's why I don't think it's actually a very good ability. But um, womp womp. The I will say that in my defense, I did want to summon a Pegasus or a Unicorn, but we were literally in the abyss. Ah, uh, yeah, that's true. So you my know, options the, were limited. Your options were limited. <laughs> I went to the store. I said, hey, guys, do you have a horse that flies around? They said, well, we yes. have this guy. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> like uh, what else you got? We got this guy. That's it. All right. That's it. That's I guess I'll have to take the scary fire horse. I mean, I wasn't <laughs> crying. Right, I wasn't, I wasn't crying. I wasn't sad about it. I was like, "That's pretty awesome." <laughs> um, yeah. The the very I guess the very very last thing I'll say is that Paladin <laughs> is also a popular um, multi class option mm-hmm. for a lot of characters because you get some stuff early, and then you know there's a few classes that benefit from charisma. Oh yeah, uh, such as the bard and the sorcerer, and there's various sor- sor- uh, sorcerer paladin builds out there. But of course, probably the most famous is the mixture with Pat with a warlock, um, particularly the the hexblade warlock. Um, mm. Which, if vengeance paladin isn't edge lord enough for you, <laughs> you can play this broken, stupid thing. <laughs> I. Where you can just attack with your charisma now. <laughs> oh man, and, I and do Eldritch Blast. So who cares about bows anymore? That's true. I, it's just dumb. I heard about this. Uh, I was back when I was working on Adamant. I was looking at um, potential like multi-class things and possibly going uh, Paladin Sorcerer. Because especially when you start oh, yeah, getting dragon high blood. up, yeah. you can do all kinds of cool stuff. But one of the neatest things is being able to use um, use your uh, what is it sorcery points mm-hmm. to convert over into smite slots, and you can mm-hmm. you know pull off some neat things that way you can just like nova blast these huge yep you know smites and stuff so i've i've thought about that but the the paladins that i've played like i i feel like when i multi-class i want to make sure that it that it actually makes sense i hate the idea of going multi-class just because like it makes my numbers bigger or you know gives me a particular spell like and I you know like we've been saying with how important the thematic aspect of a paladin is to its identity deciding if you are a paladin to put one of your few precious levels into literally a whole different vocation, I feel like that it it has this weird feel of like wavering dedication. Like, really? You're going off the paladin path? Like something else is grabbing your focus? How important is that oath to you anyway? You know? Yeah, I, I, I see what of, you're saying. I, I think I largely agree with that too. 
yeah. yeah especially with warlock where you're now like reaching out to other things uh a yeah. lot of people go well i'm a paladin of the raven queen so the raven queen is like also my patron or whatever and that yeah and that's fine i mean do what you want to do it's it's cool i guess but it does i i can't help but kind of turn an eyebrow up a little bit because i just feel like you're just really trying to optimize and then make an excuse for it yeah but i'm yeah. not gonna lie and say that doing all your stuff with one ability score wouldn't be cool i mean oh, it and, sure would be and a search you know certainly a lot of dexterity based classes get to do just that so yeah you know there that does exist so and charisma is you know a secondary ability score so i love it i think it's, it's great super fun it is fun it is it is uh it's a it's a cool and actually surprisingly versatile class it sure is and um you know what else is surprisingly versatile inspiration point and we here at inspiration point strive to provide you with a variety of brain tantalizing topics to really get your rpg motor going and the fuel for that motor is the secret ingredient, which is love. And there are some people who we love a whole lot, and they are our patrons. And their names are Kate Prostaskius, Leroy, Josh, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Logan, Punching Potato, and Jen Solo, our newest patron so we want to say thank you to all of you fine ladies and gentlemen and if any of you out there would like to join the inspiration point family head on over to inspirationpoint.buzzsprout.com and look at the three little buttons in the upper right hand corner or if you're on mobile they will be in the upper center the right hand button will be for our patreon or if you want to go directly to patreon go to patreon.com slash inspiration point and you can support us at the one five or twenty dollar tier if you do support us at the twenty dollar tier you will be able to join our community and a game with mr adam power here running and I have to say, Mr. Power, I was speaking with one of our patrons today who was in your Friday game, Mr. Leroy, and he said that that game was the first game he's ever been in where he felt like the gods were like real in the game and that they mattered and were actually a major factor and he said it was maybe the most fun game he's ever played so bravo bravo yeah. Yeah, he sent me some nice words too and i and i saw him say similar things so i do appreciate that uh uh you know kind words are my love language so i love it i do there appreciate it and uh you know we when we say the secret ingredient we don't just mean that tongue-in-cheek we really do think that love in it really does inform the best of gaming 
It sure does. It's the it sure it's does. the best for your interpersonal relationship as players, and it can also fuel your passion for the creative aspects of the game. One hundred percent, absolutely. So you know, come share some love with us, and we will do our best to give it on back to you, either through games or through our community over on Discord, who we absolutely love, or through just whatever other way you choose to interface with us because I'm running out of things. Um, So all that stuff being said, being the good guy is cool. And if you haven't played a paladin, give it a shot. It is super duper fun. Just uh, don't worry about the optimizing unless that's what you want to worry about. But really be the paladin get into it let it live inside you and it'll make you a better person i guarantee it and honestly the base class is so good that the subclass almost doesn't even matter you're gonna be powerful (laughs) there's that there's that too (laughs) and until next time everybody stay righteous and inspired bye farewell farewell well met. What are the are there other paladin uh, clicky things from Warcraft Two? <laughs> like, what else did they say? I can't remember. I wish I could remember. I just remember Uther the Lightbringer in his male coif. Uther is like a super paladin name. Yeah, well, it's also the name of Arthur's father, I guess. Yeah, U- Uther, Uther Pen- Pendragon. Yeah, top that name, anyone. Anyone? <laughs> do you think are there kids yet. out? Are, do you no, think there are any kids out there named Uther? There's got to be one. There's got to be one. There's got to be. It's just got to be. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs> and <laughs> Curlsies. <Crazy. laughs>